and welcome to another episode of Of Sound Health. My name is Sabrina Castaneda and I am your host. I am a board certified occupational therapist and I graduated with a clinical doctorate degree in occupational therapy from Spalding University. I also am a Yoga Alliance registered yoga teacher and continuing education provider. Other mind-body certifications include interdisciplinary yoga therapy, sound therapy, and Reiki. My professional specialties include private and community practice and well-being coaching. Today we will be talking about the effects of mind-body and expressive arts occupational therapy interventions to support effective stress management, to reduce and sometimes even reverse the symptoms and effects of chronic mental and physical illness. Let's begin with what sometimes may be the cause and most certainly can exacerbate chronic mental and physical illnesses, and that is stress. The effect of stress on the body and how they directly correspond towards creating and exacerbating the symptoms will become clearer as we review how stress detrimentally affects most of our systems. Stress can simply be defined as a response to something that is perceived to be threatening or an obstacle to us receiving what we need or want. When confronted with this stressor, our body responds in the following ways fight or flight, freeze or appease. The physiology of these responses, while probably helpful in the short term, like when we are confronted by a bear or a snake in the forest, in the long term are detrimental in the form of chronic, constant level at every moment of stress. So let's review our body and how it responds to stress. Our body, when it's confronted with a stressor, it's going to initiate many stress responses in order to create the proper physiological capacity to either fight or flee or appease or freeze. The following changes in our body appear as increased heart rate and blood pressure, constricted blood vessels, directing the circulation to muscles rather than the main organ systems in the middle of our body, shallow, rapid breathing, which is usually through the mouth and is effective for more air, but only in the short term, increased sweating, because as you're running away, you want increased lubrication between your thighs and your arms as you're swinging your arms back and forth to run away or fight, and of course, the increase and release of stress hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, among others, resulting in an increased level of sugar in your bloodstream, among other things. And then while decreasing the levels of anti-aging hormones and cancer-fighting genes, thus weakening the immune system, the clotting of blood platelets occurs as well to prevent bleeding out you know, if the bear scratches you. Our mind gets a narrower focus as opposed to that expansive creative focus that we have when we're relaxed and becomes vigilant, short trigger, and or fearful and anxious. The frontal lobes are thrown offline. Each of these responses, as already said, are helpful and life-saving in the short term. 
However, long-term as they are most oftenly experienced in today's modern world, they become insidious and cause and worsen many of the chronic diseases that are the top killers in the world. That is heart disease and cancer and the top causes of disability, depression, and burnout. Let's explore how our responses and the physiological changes that happen to create these responses allow us to get away from the stressor but at the same time, in a chronic format, result in some sort of worsening and even causing of the chronic diseases we earlier discussed. So, we're going to discuss each one of the physiological changes and their relationship with the chronic diseases we talked about. So, for example, increased blood pressure and heart rate and sticky platelets, all these can and do lead to the top killer of the world, heart disease. It does kill 18 million people each year. And cardiac disease not only is often leads to heart attacks, but also is associated with strokes and disability of many other kinds as well. Um, such as decreased energy and stamina and shortness of breath, among other things. The decreased circulation to the brain also causes early onset dementia. So we're talking about a wide range of things that happen quite simply with the first few things that I talked about associated with stress, which was rapid heart rate and blood pressure and sticky platelets, among other things, and of course the increased, increased inflammation that is associated with those. The decreased circulation from the main organ system towards the muscles results in poor circulation in the digestive tract, resulting in many digestive disturbances such as ulcers, irritable bowel syndrome, gastric reflux, GERD, and others. The increased blood sugar into the bloodstream due to the stress hormones leads to diabetes and obesity. Presently in United States, 70% of our population is overweight, 40% of which are obese. Obesity leads to many physical disabilities and is in itself an increased mortality risk. The increase in stress hormones and the increased activation of stress response areas of the brain, that is the limbic system and the amygdala, among others, can become chronic and result in anxiety, insomnia, depression, and addictive behaviors. Another result is, of course, decreased sleep, which results in further obesity because as we have decreased sleep, our hormones, leptin and ghrelin, which are associated with appetite and uh, hunger awareness, um, respectively, result in us eating more and then having worse health and then feeling more anxious and more depressed and not sleeping, creating a vicious cycle which results in poor and poor health outcomes. So, as you can see, this is not a very good, happy story. 
And yes, it gets even worse. There's increased pain sensitivity and down regulation of the protective genes while you're not getting enough sleep and the inflammation gets even higher because heart disease, decreased sleep, and obesity all increase inflammation. Inflammation, of course, is, is also associated with acquiring, more easily acquiring infections and developing cancer. So, hmm, what to do with this ugly picture? Well, there is help on the way. So, wow, stress has made us experience a series of unfortunate events. As I said, help is on the way. We will review now how relaxation and mind-body as a mind-body technique and expressive arts in occupational therapy can actually substantially decrease the effects of stress and sometimes even reverse many of these acquired chronic illnesses. We will, in this episode, discuss the effects of relaxation-based interventions or techniques in the next episode, we will discuss meditation as a therapeutic intervention and how this supports uh, decreasing the effects of stress. And in the third part, we will discuss expressive arts interventions for the same effects. Now, the stress response results in the responses of freeze and, uh, fight, or f fight or flight, freeze and appease, whereas the relaxation response is the results in the activities of rest and digest, creativity, expansive thinking, collaboration, and of course, well-being and restful sleep. So all of the effects of stress get counteracted with many of the mind-body practices. And because not everyone finds each practice appealing for them. That's why there's so many mind-body practices. And because the stress response sometimes triggers more heavily in one area or another response, some of the mind-body techniques are not quite as appealing because sometimes when you're too anxious, relaxation is better than meditation because you can't sit still. Or for instance, if you have obesity, the yoga poses sometimes are not accessible for you. So you find meditation and relaxation better, so forth and so on. It is very important to find among these practices something that is a good fit for you. So today we're going to be talking, like I said, about relaxation techniques. So what are relaxation techniques that will get us to the rest and digest state of um, well-being. I am using the definitions found on the NIH website, the National Institutes of Health website for complementary and alternative health. And this is how they defined relaxation techniques. Relaxation techniques include a number of practices such as progressive relaxation, guided imagery, biofeedback, self-hypnosis, and deep breathing exercise. I would include here soothing music sometimes as well, just listening to soothing music. However, that might also fall in the category of the expressive arts-based therapy interventions. 
The goal is similar in all to produce the body's natural relaxation response characterized by slower breathing, low blood pressure, lower heart rate, and a feeling of increased well-being. So again, as you noticed here, they're discussing about our natural response for relaxation. So you say, if we have this natural response for relaxation, why do I have to engage in practices? That's a very good question. The reason you have to engage in practices is because while the relaxation response is a natural response, it is not what we tend to go towards biologically. Think about it. Going to sleep, resting, and being idle for various reasons are not the first things that we our body gravitates towards because naturally it is not helpful to, for survival to be running around relaxed. So it is, of course, the first thing that we, we have a bias. I guess there's several biases that we need to discuss here. One is the bias towards the stress response. It keeps us alive. It keeps us alert. And if you're in a high-pressure work environment, it keeps you the star uh, until you burn out. And then, of course, you get all the societal accolades. We're finally getting to a point now that no one really looks up at people who say, oh, I only need four hours of sleep. That's finally going away. But even so, we do feel the pressures. So while it's natural to, re to relax, we have the societal pressures, the biological pressures to be more towards the stress response. Second, even though it is a natural response, already I told you it's um, not natural in the sense that it keeps us to survival, we have to tell ourselves it's safe, we need to relax. And then we have a negative bias. So that negativity bias, even though we say, okay, I'm done with work, it's time to relax, our mind starts ruminating over negative events in our day. Because again, the negative events are what will keep us alive. It's more important to know where Uncle Joseph got eaten by the tiger than it is to remember uh, what a wonderful afternoon picnic I had with Uncle Joseph. That's going to be more survival oriented. So we have a negative negativity bias. And so we tend to ruminate over what's negative. One way to counteract this is, of course, this is one of the relaxation techniques, especially in the guided techniques, in which you are encouraged to focus on moments of pleasure and joy. One thing you can do immediately is when you do have moments of pleasure and joy and enjoyment with your family and friends, is to pause and for at least 20 seconds, really take it in, soak in those moments of joy because you want your nervous system to start having those neuro associations with your family members as joyful events. Because again, we will have that negativity bias and those will start overburdening us and accumulating. And then thirdly, one of the other reasons why we have to train our relaxation response is because our nervous system, because it's biased towards being stressed, gets trained to be stressed. So we have to kind of keep, it's kind of like when you do weights one day and you do flexibility and stretch another day and then you do swimming and cardio. So you kind of need to balance your nervous system out and you need to train it and keep it strong and resilient just as you would, uh, I always like to use the example, of the muscles. 
So those are the three reasons why we have to train our body for the relaxation response. So let us review again what those relaxation res physiological responses are and how they actually counteract the diseases associated with the stress response, right? So we had that it lowers the heart rate, it lowers the blood pressure. In fact, it improves the heart rate variability, which is associated with um, health, both mental and your heart, because what happens is your heart and your brain make that coherence connection. And of course, when you're relaxed, you have less muscle tension, you sleep better, and that in decreases inflammation and decreases pain, improves sleep. Of course, when you have improved sleep and decreased inflammation and decreased muscle tension, you're able to then have your hormone sensitivity to be uh, appropriate for your appetite and your hunger. And of course, you don't have the sugar being dumped into your bloodstream, making you insensitive to sugar. So all of these things are so helpful. And then you have massive circulation going on in your digestive system. So your digestive system's healthier. You're more regular. And of course, you have more blood flow and you get much healthier skin. And you overall have better circulation to your brain. And of course, the more you sleep, the better your mental health is, the less anxious you are and the less depressed you are. So... Many, many of the practices that we're going to review um, today are going to promote the rest and digest relaxation response. And I'm going to include a description of the ones described by the NIH. And then I'm going to share with you a few relaxation things. They're very short that you can start immediately to experience the relaxation response. So before we begin with the final part of this episode with your short three short um, relaxation that you can integrate into your everyday, I would like to provide you with some resources that you may then deal dev deeper into the relaxation response. The first thing I would like to recommend is the classic and still relevant today book by Dr. Herbert Benson, The Relaxation Response. It is highly readable, it is clinically accurate, and it gives a very, very good description of the history of the relaxation response in current modern medicine here in the Western world, especially United States. I was very fortunate to study with Dr. Benson, and he is one of the most open-hearted individuals in the world, and I am so grateful to him bringing these techniques into the medical uh, health field in here, United States. Um, another book that's more recent is a book called, titled Cured by Dr. Jeffrey Rediger, and this book is more uh, contemporary. However, he too goes through the history, provides practices, as well as many case studies of individuals who have used mind-body techniques, particularly the relaxation techniques, to develop health and wellness. So I recommend both those books very highly. And then I would also say to you, if you're wondering how might I include this, these modalities in my life, 
many of my colleagues, myself included now, especially with the uh, the COVID situation, we have online one-on-one coaching available to you. Whereas there's many different choices that you can choose across the world and across the country, obviously, I would recommend finding one that's a good fit. Some of the places where you may want to start is with our last guest, of course, Rebecca Ostel Clausen. She offers one-on-one coaching. Holistic OT's website offers a slew of holistic OTs you can access as well. Uh, there's a wonderful website, Lavender, and this is by Dr. Alyssa Chatrapachai. She too, like me, is a doctor in occupational therapy, and she has a wonderful program with journaling and art and mindfulness for you to participate in. And of course, Tanya Penny, she's another occupational therapist that has lovely, lovely, lovely um programs, meditation and relaxation, as well as yoga. And uh, Anna Hernando, she does one-on-one peak performance coaching and uh, holistic coaching. So there are many, many sources of uh, occupational therapists who are doing well-being and wellness and who integrate many of these mind-body techniques that you'll find on this podcast. So just simply Google them and uh, Google occupational therapy, wellness, well-being, coaching, holistic OT, and you should be able to find a slew of us. And now for our relaxation techniques. So, as you've been able to see, relaxation techniques restore your body to its natural state of restful alertness and awareness. That only, not only do they reverse it, they actually provide you not only with immediate relief from stress, they provide long-term neurological changes, structural changes to your brain, your nervous system, your body, that allow you to live optimally and really live to your full potential of who you're supposed to be. You were meant to live out your life as a relaxed, restfully aware individual with a clear mind and with a physiological body to the best of its capacity to carry out your purpose. So in order to do that, there are many relaxation techniques. As I said, I would go through some of these. However, they are usually a little bit longer than most of us are accustomed to doing in our everyday life. We especially have difficulty with associating relaxation with something actively good for us. However, it is probably the most active state that we can be. Like I said, sleep is so, so critical. Sleep is one of our most active states, if not more active than when we are awake, uh, that we could possibly engage in. And so is relaxation. So we're going to have to first obviously change our mindset about our views of relaxation, but that comes slowly. And so that's why while I'm going to go through these and tell you about them, the relaxation techniques I'm going to offer you are no longer than three minutes. And this is because you can easily integrate them throughout your day. And then you'll be able to create that nervous system that will then be able to sit for longer periods of time and engage in longer relaxations. 
I believe in starting gently with compassion and manageable. We want to have the just right challenge, as Vygotsky uh, would say. Um, so let's talk about these one by one. Progressive relaxation. Progressive relaxation is can be done two ways. There's the more commonly one known that is the body scan in which the, you're guided to lie down or sit comfortably and you go through each body part using your breath and you kind of go through each body part and ask it to relax, actively suggesting that body part to relax. Another progressive relaxation is when you use tense release in which you tense a body part or move it or you know gently move it side to side. Um, or bend it or straighten it to create that contrast between the engaged muscle and the relaxed muscle. Many of us don't even realize how tense we are or how unrelaxed we are until we actively tense and relax. It's kind of like when people give you directions and say, when you see the gas station, you'll know you've gone too far. Well, when you feel that tense muscle, you'll know you're not relaxed. And so that will get you habituated to knowing you're relaxed. And so that's progressive relaxation. Guided imagery is very powerful. And that is what I was telling you about the bias that we have towards negativity. Through guided imagery, you're able to take a mental uh, vision of of moments that are pleasant in your life, scenes that are pleasant in your life, and reintegrate the same effect that you had in those moments, or emotions, right, as well, and thus experience the beneficial effects of all these positive events, scenes, emotions, and visions that you had in the guided imagery in real time in your life over again. So your body is experiencing fully aware of the these positive events. So guided imagery is very, very powerful. Biofeedback usually uses some sort of external thing. Um, you can use a low-tech one, like a neuroassociation, like a, a, a bell or an aromatherapy or particular cues or a particular thing in your pocket or a picture on your desk or a, a, a thought like a... Um, a mantra or a Bible verse or something that is a very low tech biofeedback. It's a feedback loop that you has an external thing and then you, it gives you uh, feedback back to you. Or you could use high tech. There's all sorts of high tech gadgets now uh, from the very small Fitbits and all this stuff and Apple watches. And that is biofeedback. There's self hypnosis. And again, that is done uh, in a relaxed state and uh, you're hypnotized by yourself. You're, you're, I mean, we're hypnotized. We hypnotize ourselves every day, whether we realize it or not. When our tendency and our negative bias gets the best of us, and that is all we can see, we're hypnotized to seeing just that. So um, you, a, a hypnotist can help you with that and will probably uh, train you. And again, it uses probably a lot of neuro associations as well. And then, of course, deep breathing exercises. These are my favorite because have breath will relax, right? You have your breath all the time. Um, don't leave your home without it. <laughs> so now that you have kind of an idea of these relaxation techniques, so these mind-body relaxation techniques, kind of an idea what they are, I will go ahead and describe to you the three techniques that I think you will find most helpful to integrate into your everyday life. 
beginning with the breath one. Our breath, when we inhale, is usually associated with the stress response, and when we exhale, with the relaxation response. Thus, Dr. Benson said this so well, and I love it, if we just take one deep inhale, belly breathing, soft belly, feeling it going out, and one long exhale, the exhale must be longer than the inhale, and you can even do it through a count, you would be able to create immediately the relaxation response and stop in its tracks the stress response. So one of the things I like to do and one of the things I suggest to my clients is if you're with difficult people or you're about to go into a difficult situation before you go through the door or before you respond to that person, do your deep belly breath. That one diaphragmatic breath will put your frontal lobes back online. You'll think more clearly. You'll feel better. Your muscles will relax. That's what one breath can do. Better than any pill I know. It will definitely make it for a much better experience. So you just breathe in through your nose if that's available to you. And then you breathe out long through your nose. Breathing in and breathing out long. This stimulates what is called the vagal system, which is 80% of our autonomic nervous system, which is part of our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest nervous system, right? The other, the stressed nervous system is the sympathetic. It sympathizes with your woes and then gets crazy. So one deep breath. All of us have that available to us. And once you get into the habit of before answering those difficult people with first taking that deep breath, breathing in and breathing out, and then saying what you need to say, you will notice that life will become much better. I like doing this in a form of that's called coherence breathing. Another great book to buy is a book by Eddie Stern about yoga. So uh, Eddie Stern talks about coherence breathing. And in this one, you count. And I like to do a mudra. He doesn't do the mudra, but I like to add a mudra. And that's a hand gesture. I have all my fingertips touching my palms away from each other, but my hands in front of me. So only my fingertips are touching and they're wide. They're spread wide. And I count through my nose, breathing in for four and breathing out for five. Or breathing in for five and breathing out for seven. If you notice, that is using the, the lengthened diaphragmatic breath. I like doing this for a few breaths, maybe five, uh, ten. It, when I get in my car before I drive, when I arrive at my workplace, before I go into the workplace, after lunch, before lunch to digest well, to rest and digest, right? To, before I go in between clients, I want to arrive wherever my destination is with my frontal lobes online, my heart open, and my muscles relaxed. So um, I would highly recommend that. Another thing I would do is doing this before you go to sleep. You don't have to do the hand part. I would just relax my arms, but I would breathe in deeply, do a deep belly breath, and breathe out long, long exhale. The long exhale is the most important part, right? And then the third one is what I like to call transition meditation 101. I know meditation's coming up in the next episode, but I can't resist. You breathe in love and you transform it and make it double and breathe it out and make it give it more. And you imagine it coming in through your heart and you breathe out and imagine it glowing out all around you and out into the universe. And 
it's been doubled. It's been energized by your heart. So you breathe in that love and you breathe it out even doubly strengthened. And I like to do it maybe sometimes in little short breaths of taking in all the love that's been given to me. And I like to think of all the people that support me and that are encouraging me and that are my friends. And I breathe out and I send it to them. And then I send it to people I don't even know who I'm yet to meet. And I even send it to the people that are difficult in my life because they are all teachers. And that is perhaps one of the most powerful things to do before you go to bed. And I love that meditation. And it's just literally one breath in and one breath out. So I hope this has helped you understand the importance of the mind-body techniques that you've been hearing in the previous episodes. And I hope that this will encourage you to explore these and reach out to your occupational therapist out in your community. Or if you're in a clinical uh, intervention time right now with a therapist, ask her if she uses these and if you could include it in your intervention therapy time. Thank you for your time today. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Of Sound Health will post new episodes every Monday. Start your week by exploring and experiencing new and beautiful approaches to enhance your everyday well-being. To continue the conversation, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player or app. Until next week.